Yesterday was a big day for all movie lovers. The 89th Academy Awards. Like most film buffs, I was planning my day around watching the awards show. Now, around 11 a.m., I was driving to my recording studio where I produced this show. Ironically, I wasn't listening to podcasts, which is my typical choice of listening entertainment while driving. Instead, I found myself listening to local talk radio. It was while listening to this station that I caught the the top-of-the-hour news bulletins. It was the typical news, Trump this and Trump that, but something caught my ear at the end of the news segment. The on-air news anchor blurted out the following statement, News coming in from Hollywood that actor Bill Paxton has passed away at the age of 61 due to complications from a surgery. Man, talk about being caught off guard. I pulled into a nearby Walgreens parking lot. I just kind of sat there for a few minutes trying to process the news. The first thought I had was that Bill was only 61 years old. I mean, that's not old. Not at all these days. My second thought was, well, shit, I really like Bill Paxton. I mean, a lot. He's always been the standout character in practically everything I've seen him in. It was at that moment that I realized that once again, I was guilty of taking good actors or great actors for granted. To most of us, they're just always going to be around. I came to that realization once before when Robin Williams passed away in 2014. I really think I need to spend a little more time looking at the careers of actors and actresses. I've always said that movies to me are a form of escape. And actors give you the opportunity to walk in the shoes of so many different types of people. So with that being said, let's look back at the career highlights of Bill Paxton. Now, now he has 92 acting credits to his name, and I won't be covering all of them. But I'll spend a little time looking at a few that have always stood out to me. Bill Paxton was born in Fort Worth, Texas, May 17, 1955. Interesting note about his childhood. His mother was a devout Roman Catholic, which wasn't the most popular of religions in Texas. So when John F. Kennedy did a tour of the state of Texas, Bill and his family made the point to see Kennedy, who was also a Catholic, when he was in Dallas on November 22, 1963. And yes, you would be correct, that is the date that he was assassinated. Now, Bill and his family did not witness the actual assassination. But to this day, when you tour the now infamous six-story Texas School Book Depository, you'll find a photo hanging on the wall. In the photo, you can see a massive crowd lined up to see the president. And if you look closely you can see a then eight-year-old Bill Paxton being hoisted above his father's shoulders for a better look. In the seventh grade, Bill came down with rheumatic fever, a very serious illness that kept him bedridden for four months and forced him to take regular doses of penicillin to the age of 18. Now, after graduating Arlington Heights High School, ironically the same high school that Lee Harvey Oswald attended, Bill, who was already very passionate about music and acting, moved to Los Angeles. And at the age of 20, found work with Roger Corman's New World Pictures. Now, I've mentioned in previous episodes that New World Pictures would become the proving ground for many of the most successful actors and filmmakers. Now, while working at New World, Bill met and became friends with James Cameron, which will come into play a little later on. Bill's first on-screen appearance was 1975's Crazy Mama. Although he wasn't given an official acting credit for this role, It was just one of hundreds of low-budget films that was pumped out by New World Pictures in the 1970s. I mentioned already that Bill had a love of music, particularly the new wave sound that was beginning to gain ground in the Top 40 radio. He would appear in several music videos, including directing one for the group Barnes & Barnes. The particular video in question was called Fishheads. He also appeared in Pat Benatar's Shadows of the Night, in which he learned German for his brief appearance. He would land more and more bit parts and extra roles, in everything from films like 1981 Stripes to the low-budget 1982 horror film Night Warning. He would also appear in several made-for-TV movies, including 1983's Deadly Lessons and 1983's Lords of Discipline. 
1984 saw him land roles in films such as Impulsive and Walter Hill's epic, and I mean epic, 1980s must-see film, Streets of Fire. But one very small role in a rather huge hit would set in motion a working collaboration with one of the most successful filmmakers in history. This, of course, would be the one minute he was on screen in James Cameron's The Terminator. Hey, my turn! Hey, what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> nice night for a walk, eh? <laughs> nice night for a walk. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? <laughs> Nothing clean, right? Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six pack. Your clothes. Give them to me. Now. Fuck you, asshole! 1985 would see another breakout performance in the John Hughes-directed comedy Weird Science, in which Bill plays Chet Donnelly, the antagonist of his younger brother, Wyatt. So, you guys think you can pull one over on me, huh? Huh? You got everybody synced to the same bullshit story. This isn't bullshit. This is a Pershing missile chip. It's Chet. My name is Chet. And I didn't think it was a whale's dick, honey. Hi, Nanny. Hi, Grampy. I'm not a moron, you know. I... Was that my grandparents? Are they dead? Oh, no, they're just resting. What are they doing in here? I put them in there. I didn't want the boys to get into trouble. Quite frankly, they weren't having a very good time at the party. Not having a good time? Do you think they're having a good time being catatonic in a closet? Do you have any idea how disrespectful that is? Boy... I wouldn't give a squirt of piss for your ass right now. Okay, that's quite enough. You guys get the girls home. Wyatt, take the Porsche. Gary, you take the Ferrari. The Ferrari? I want to be alone with Chet here. Good to see you again, Chet. Get out of here. Come on, take your little hussies home. The parents are probably worried sick. Lady, I want to get to the bottom of this. A-S-A-F-P. Oh, so do I. But first, I'd like to butter your muffin. Why do you have to be such a wanker? Because I get off on it. Now, I want you to promise that you'll keep your big mouth shut about everything that has happened here this weekend. And I want you to treat Wyatt and Gary with dignity and respect. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, really. I can be a real serious bitch if I don't get what I want. Ooh, hit me with your best shot. Now, interesting side note to this role. John Hughes offered Bill the role of the parking lot attendant in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 
However, he turned down the role because he thought the part was too small. Now, he would later say that he absolutely regretted that move because John Hughes never offered him another role in any of his films. Now, it's not that Bill Paxton always made poor decisions. He was offered the role of Proctor in Police Academy 2, but turned it down because his contract stated that he would have to appear in subsequent sequels. And looking back, that was probably the right move. In 1986, James Cameron approached Bill to offer him a role in his next film, Aliens, the sequel to the 1979 smash hit Alien. The part was a supporting role, but had been written by Cameron with Paxton in mind. He agreed to take on the role of Private Hudson, and has some of the best lines in the whole fucking movie. Well, that's great! That's just fucking great, man! Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man! You finished. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Following up on his working relationship with James Cameron, Bill Paxton took the role of Severn in the Catherine Bigelow-directed vampire film Near Dark. The movie was also notable for having fellow Aliens alumni Lance Hendrickson and Jeanette Goldstein. Bigelow was married to James Cameron at the time. I mentioned earlier that Bill had a love of new wave music, but it may come as a surprise to some of you to learn that he was also a member of a new wave band in the 1980s called Martini Ranch. He robbed a train near Santa Fe for money and for riches. It ended on a chain gang with those dirty sons of bitches. When the shadow of the night came on, he was gone. One day he bought himself a gun, said, now I'm gonna make them pay, hey, hey, reach! I heard him say, yes, this ain't your lucky day, reach! Ha-ha! I heard him say, If that wasn't cool enough, in 1988, he was able to convince James Cameron to direct one of the band's music videos. And oh baby, the video for Martini Ranch's song Reach is exactly what you think a James Cameron directed music video would look like. Now, I've included a link in the show notes of this episode, so stop what you're doing right now, and I mean it, and watch what might easily be the greatest music video you've ever seen. 1989 saw Bill appear in the Patrick Swayze film Next to Kin in a low-budget sci-fi film called Slipstream. 1990 would see him appear with Aliens co-star Michael Bean in the so-bad-it's-good film Navy Seals. I take that back. It's just bad. However... 1990 would also see him appear in the sequel to the 1987 classic Predator. In Predator 2, he plays Jerry Lambert, a hotshot police officer who ultimately meets his demise to the space trophy hunter. So if you're keeping score, and spoiler alert, Bill Paxton was killed by a Terminator, an alien, and a Predator, and all of this by 1990. From 1990 to 93, he was in a a string of small, low-budget films and even the Ice-T film Trespass. In 93, he appeared alongside Kurt Russell and Sam Elliott in the action biofilm Tombstone, a film that sees the Earp brothers settling in in Tombstone, Arizona. All we gotta do is keep our eyes on that brass ring, fellas. You're the one, what? Why, Johnny Tyler! 
madcap. Doc? Where are you going with that shotgun? I didn't know you was back in town. Well, well. How the hell are you? Wyatt, I am rolling. Morgan. Doc. Virgil. Ooh, Doc. Wyatt Earp. Going into business for ourselves, Doc. Well, I just got us a Pharaoh game. Oh. Since when is Pharaoh a business? Don't you always say that gambling's an honest trade? No, I said poker's an honest trade. Only suckers buck the tigers. The odds are all on the house. In 1994, James Cameron once again cast Bill in True Lies as Simon, a sleazy used car salesman who pretends to be something he's not. But it's not enough. If you really want to close escrow, well, you got to have an angle. So what's the angle? Oh, no. Sorry. Trade secret. Okay. Just ask yourself, what do women really want? You take these bored housewives married to the same guy for years, they're stuck in a rut. They need some release. Promise of adventure, a hint of danger. I create that for them. But their husbands. Dickless. I mean... Let's face it, if they took care of business, I'd be out of business, you know what I mean? (laughs) Those idiots. In 1995's Apollo 13, Paxton played Fred Hayes, one of the three real-life astronauts who faced certain doom when their spacecraft malfunctioned. You want to cut the duct tape three feet long. I'll use this arm. Just use your arm. It's a good arm length. Okay, Houston, I see what you're getting at. Hold on. Okay, Jack, tear that piece of tape down the middle lengthwise. All right. Hold on, Houston. Astronauts appear to have enough oxygen to keep them alive. One thing they have too much of is carbon dioxide. With each breath, the three men expel more of the poisonous gas into the lunar module cockpit, and the scrubbers intended to keep the atmosphere breathable are quickly becoming saturated. (coughs) Oh, shit, I tore it. Shit. Uh, Houston, uh, what do we do if we, uh... Rip the bag. Can we tape it? They just tore the bag. Uh, uh, stand by. What should I tell them to do? Well, they should have one more bag left. But they've still got uh, a long way to come, and they are now working on their backup facilities, their emergency facilities, and the problem is if anything more goes wrong, they're in real trouble. In 1996, Bill Paxton was offered his first lead role in a major Hollywood film, Twister. In the film, he plays Bill Harding, a now-retired storm chaser who is convinced to go out on one more adventure. Sector scan on that cell. Keep looking for a hook. We'll do slanders. What are my dew points doing? Points up to 70, sir. Honey, I got you a limit. We gotta move out. Listen, follow us in the truck, but stay behind Dusty's van. You'll be safe back there. I gotta go with Joe. Okay, let's move out, people. Let's go. Where are we going? The film also starred Helen Hunt and took in over $500 million. Twister, at the time, represented the highest grossing film of his career 
a record that would stand for all of one year when in 1997, James Cameron cast Bill in his magnum opus, Titanic. Bill played Brock Lovett, a treasure hunter who is convinced that one of the world's most valuable pieces of jewelry is somewhere in the wreck of the Titanic. Titanic would go on to become the highest grossing film of all time, a record that stood until 2009's Avatar. In 1998's A Simple Plan, Bill played Hank, who along with his brother, played by Billy Bob Thornton, find millions and millions of dollars in stolen cash. What if we didn't turn it in? You want to keep it? (laughs) He wants to keep it. Well, Well, that's a hot one. (laughs) Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Yeah. Because we go to prison. Why? Why? Because it's stealing. Stealing. Stealing from who? From him? (laughs) Hell, he won't mind. (laughs) Oh, because he's dead, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. He's dead. He won't mind. I said we take this bag back to the truck and we pretend like we were never here. Fuck yeah. Why not? (laughs) Why not? Because we get caught. That's why. Oh, oh, hell. Come on. I'll tell you what. Stay the hell out of it then. You know, we don't need you. It'd just be more money for us. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to stump you another fancy word, Lou, but does the term accomplice mean anything to you? Come on. That's stupid. But Hank, Hank, why, why would we get caught? Because it's a lot of money, Jacob. Somebody's bound to be looking for it. When they find that plane and the money's not in it, no, that's not bullshit. bullshit. They're going to come looking for us. Bullshit. This is dirty money. And and as far as that guy's concerned, the cops don't even know he exists. Nobody knows about this but us. See there? Nobody knows but us. It's like we came out here just on a hike and found found lost treasure. (laughs) It's the American dream and a goddamn gym bag. He, He just wants to walk away from it. You work for the American dream. You don't steal it. Then this is even better. If this guy is a dope dealer, then you know, like we're talking about, then that means we're like Robin Hood. Oh yeah, and I'll right? tell you what, you got a beautiful wife at home. You're about to have a baby. I know you ain't pulling down that much at the feed mill. Wouldn't you love to have a piece of this? Well, hell yes, I would, but we can't just take it. I mean, hey, what if there's a reward? Maybe there's a reward, and they'll they'll give. Maybe us- there's not. How about this? I tell you what, I'll bet you $10,000, just one of these packets, that when they find this plane, there's no mention of this money. Bill Paxton made his feature film directorial debut in 2001's Frailty, in which he also starred alongside Matthew McConaughey and Powers Booth. 
Be the agent in charge of the case. That's right. What can I do for you? I'm here because I can't live with what I know anymore. Listen, this may sound a little bit crazy, but I know who the God's Hand killer is. What makes you think that? He hadn't even heard me out yet, and already you doubt me. They were raised to obey their father. Go to see Homer. To love him. To trust him. Night, boys. Sleep tight. Don't let those bed bugs bite. Until. Hey, Cap, I've got something to tell you. What's wrong? There are demons among us. I can see the demons while other people can. I'm scared, Dad. Nothing that crazy could be real. The angel told me that God would be sending weapons. Maybe you just dreamed it. Maybe you're not right in the head. God will be sending a list of the first seven demons. These are people's names. And they'll look like people. They're not. Dad made up this whole thing. Do you understand? Well, if it has to be done, it has to be done. Is that true? Why would I make it up? It's all a big lie. I don't want to run away. You are hiding something from me. What is it you think I'm hiding? When I lay my hands on them, I'll reveal them for what they truly are. I got a pretty good idea of them bodies are. I'll tell. Craziest thing I've heard in a long time. Ah! Check the Rose Garden. I don't believe a word of it. But it's true. Bill Paxton. Those were demons. Why can't you see that? Matthew McConaughey. Tell me the truth. Sometimes truth defies reason. You're crazy! Only demons should fear me. You're not a demon, are you? Now, throughout the early 2000s, he was in a wide range of roles, from television's Frasier to the Robert Rodriguez-directed film Spy Kids 2 and Spy Kids 3D. In 2006, he took the role of Bill Hendrickson in the HBO series Big Love. The show followed the lives of a polygamous family in which Bill plays the patriarch along with his three wives. I believe in the covenant of family. Happy anniversary. Uh, how, how many years? Six. Sixteen. Nineteen. Nineteen. I believe in the covenant of plural marriage. I love our family more and more. That frightens me. I believe family is the key to celestial heaven. I want to tell you that I'm strong. Barb, I don't know if I can be married to Nikki and Bill if I'm not married to you. I believe it is my duty to keep my family together on this earth. And I pray for the guidance to do just that. There are four of us in this marriage, Bill. You can't compartmentalize a separate thing with one of us when there are four of us. The series was a huge hit and ran from 2006 to 2011. In 2012, Bill Paxton played Randall McCoy in the History Channel's excellent, and I mean excellent, miniseries, The Hatfields and McCoys. The series also starred Kevin Costner. Way to stop all this nonsense. Because you can kind of believe that. You've still got something left. What do you want, Randall? Hmm? What do you want out of this life? Just get through it. If ever two men misunderstood each other, it was us. So when's it end? When there's no blood left to be spilled. Well, my movies are usually four hours long, so I can't do anything quick. Can you can you tell her what this movie's about? Well, this is the story of the, the two famous families. Uh, one was from eastern Kentucky, the, the McCoys, and the other, the other was from west-western West Virginia. And there was a little river that ran between 
separated the two of them. And uh, these were two men that had fought in the Civil War together, but they they became estranged and they came home from the war. And this feud started between them. They're almost like an obsession, more I think from a McCoy character, because he stayed through the whole war and came back as a, after being a prisoner of war and was really destitute and his family was destitute. And he had left the war early and, and was actually had become a successful lumberman. I don't think so. Devil Ants Hatfield. I rue the day I saved your life. May God damn your eternal soul. You feel the need to bring up God one more time? Whose side he sits on? You know, we we really used whatever bag of tricks we had for this one. All of our level of experience went into because we did a lot for a little, and we did it in a place that was, while it was open arms to us, was not. It wasn't convenient, and and it was a. Uh, you know, making good film is hard. It's just hard to do. It's an art form. Ain't pertinent to the case. It's about sin, devil ass. Was Christian right and damnation wrong? Caught. This case is dismissed. Everybody get the hell out of here. The world sees the finished product, and we have are out there for three or four months, and we have a lot of other experiences that go above and beyond cut and wrap. You know, we have, uh, you know, um, you know, you know, Bill lost his father when we were out there. So there's a lot of life that goes on while you're trying to make up this make-believe life. And, um, you know, he went away and came back to us and, 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 and buried somebody, the man most important to him. So what is Hatfields and McCoys to, to Bill? It'll, it will be a lot of things, but it will also mark sure. the passing, you know, of a, of a, of a, of a father. My God, I will gut shoot the next agitator who further disrespects my courtroom. McCoy or Hatfield? I reckon this is what I should have expected from a Hatfield court. One more word out of you, McCoy. But it was tough to go home, and I have to say, when I came, I got back, I had to literally fly home and and bury my dad and then, and then go right back to shooting. And I got back on Thanksgiving night, and... Um, Leslie and the producers, they'd arranged a, a Thanksgiving dinner for all of us, and uh, that's when I, I saw all these guys, and we, we had already been together for several months, and, uh, it, and it, was, it was quite a homecoming for me, and, and, and it really was, I, I, I felt a lot of love in that room then. In the early 2010s, we saw Bill Paxton in everything from the Doug Liman-directed Edge of Tomorrow opposite Tom Cruise to the Dan Gilroy-directed film Nightcrawler in which he plays Joe Loader, an L.A. crime journalist, who is constantly at odds with an up-and-coming fellow crime cameraman played by Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm talking about putting some heavy digits in our pocket, bro. Thank you for offering me the position, but working for myself is more in line with my skills and career goals. Take a few days to think about it. No, you'll need to hire someone else, and I don't want to hold up the process. You want to be on the inside of this, man, because I'm going to be tag-teaming every call. You keep talking like it's something that I may be interested in, but I'm not. You don't even understand the offer. If you did, you'd be fucking sucking my dick. You're asking me questions. What does this mean? What does that mean? I feel like grabbing you by your ears right now and screaming in your face, I'm not fucking interested. In early 2017, CBS debuted Training Day, in which Bill Paxton played Frank Rourke, 
a corrupt police officer taking on a new partner. The show is based off of the hit film of the same name from 2001 that starred Denzel Washington. LA's always been on the ground. This is We hunt the city's most dangerous game. They're heavily armed and they will kill you. This isn't a training day. It's a trial by fire. I'll take my chances. Expect to see this kind of thing in Juarez, not Los Angeles. Police works like sex. It's more effective when it isn't pretty. Drop your weapons. And you take the shot. Room full of innocent bystanders. That's only a problem if you miss. Policy and procedure don't exist. We have rules. We have limits. You want to fight monsters? Better be willing to become one yourself. The further into the darkness you go, the harder it is to find your way back. You need me or you'll lose your way. As of Bill's passing yesterday, CBS has stated that all 13 episodes of the first season have already been filmed. And also as of this recording, it's uncertain whether they'll move forward with airing the remainder of the season. You know, Bill Paxton was rarely the leading man in most films that he appeared in. But I dare you to tell me when he ever gave a bad performance. From the insane older brother in Weird Science to the fortune hunter in Titanic. Paxton always gave it 100% when he was on the screen. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, I, I really took his performances for granted. 61 years is too young for anyone to pass away. And I'm thankful that Bill Paxton left behind a fantastic body of work that spans more than 30 years. My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening. Got some great salty old lines. My dad was a traveling salesman for many years, and he, he would come home and he would come up with these different expressions. You know, a lot of times on the movies you're shooting, you know, the, the, the writer's written a line, but it's, it's pretty cliched, and you want to find a different way to say it. When right. I was uh, doing True Lies, for example, I'm doing the scene where I'm driving the Corvette, and I'm trying to sell uh, Arnold the Corvette, and uh, I was supposed to be talking about Jamie Lee Curtis. I was supposed to be talking about her breast, too, and I don't know that this is her husband I'm talking to. Right. And so uh, Jim Cameron said, well, come up with something here, and I remembered a line my dad used to say, so I said, what if I say... Her breasts make me want to stand up and ball for buttermilk. And I, I, I you ever I, use this on the ladies, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I go, well, that kid was perfect. How's that, that go over in a bar? <laughs> Your breasts make me want to stand up and ball for buttermilk. Later at the hospital, <laughs> Mr. Paxton, wake up. But he's always come over these things, and I'd say, what does that mean? He said, I don't know. My dad would say, I don't know, but I, I heard it, and it kind of stuck with me. Is there a line that your dad has that you've never used in a movie, but you've wanted to use it? Yeah, he said one the other day. He said, you see that guy over there? He's richer than six feet up a bull's ass. <laughs> I don't know where he comes up with these things. That is rich. The most famous, <laughs> the most famous one of all, though, is what? in Weird Science. How does that one work exactly? I do I want to know? No. Something in my brain says, move on. Okay. But something else says, no, dwell, dwell. Let's dwell a minute. No. Let's dwell. Uh, but your dad actually, uh, your dad, not an actor. Not uh, an actor. But somehow he, he got a part in this, in this movie uh, that you did. A simple plan. A simple plan. I get to the production office in Minneapolis. When you're in the production office, uh, they'll usually put the 8 by 10s of the cast you know, up on a bulletin board. So I see my picture, and there's Billy Bob Thornton, Bridget Fonda, my dad, Brent Briscoe. My dad? What's he doing here? 
Uh, apparently, my dad had written Sam Raimi, the director, a letter, a very flattering letter, and requested if he could do a small part in the film, and the director gave him the job. And he didn't even tell you he was going to be doing this? No, he kept asking me, when's the new script coming in? I didn't know what that meant. Right. But, uh, but you know, they should have not told... I knew it didn't bode well. They should have not told you, and then when you noticed him on camera for the first time, use that take in the actual movie. <laughs> So there's a part in the movie where you're like doing whatever you're doing and suddenly your dad walks by and you're like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then that's in the movie. That's it. Doesn't it. make any sense yeah, to the rest. Does he like, does he like that. acting? Does he enjoy it? He retired it? eight years ago and he tells me one day that uh, he wants to become an actor and I thought, oh God, dad, do anything in your golden years, but don't be an actor. I mean, to face all the rejection, especially when you're starting You're not a good example, it. though. You've been in, like, every blockbuster <laughs> on the planet the last couple of years, and you're there telling your dad, it doesn't work out, Pop. I write a lot of letters. You don't want to do it. I write a lot of letters. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Pretty yeah, James Cameron it. keeps putting you in, in movies. I know he does. You were, in, uh, you were in Terminator. You had a small part. You were the one of the punks that I, makes the crazy mistake of messing with... The Terminator, That's early in the right. movie. That's right. Yeah. Oh, there, there it is. Oh, wait, I didn't think we had it. <laughs> it's so... I've Show it of... again. We've had... I love that. <laughs> I've had a lot of dental work since then. <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, you know what's funny is, I, you know, that's just a bit part. You probably just have a couple of lines. But I remember the minute, uh, you know, the first time actually that, uh, that I heard you were coming on the show, I remember thinking, wait a minute, I remembered him in The Terminator because there's that moment in the theater where the ultimate killing machine comes to Earth for the first time and 30 seconds later, a punk wants to mess with him. <laughs> just like, you're just in the theater and you get killed pretty quickly. Yeah, I think right? I got to say, this guy's a few cans short of a six-pack or something like that. And Another then he my dad's crunches your head into a diamond? Yeah, there, there, exactly. Was, uh, is that the kind of thing when you have a part that small, do you end up telling all your friends to go, even if you're only on camera for like 15 seconds? Absolutely. You call everybody you know. You even call people you don't know. Do you hang out in the lobby and you're like, you know the guy who got exactly. killed really Absolutely. quickly? Huh? When you're first starting out, when you're first starting out, you always your breasts like, make me want to ball for buttermilk. This <laughs> <laughs> creep. Oh, this uh, is the character. It's I know, I know. Character. It's not you. Uh, well, Mighty Joe Young opens Christmas Day, and a simple plan, which I've heard great things about, is at theaters right now. So go out and check it out. Bill, it's always fun having you on the show. Thanks Thank you for doing lot. it. Bill Paxton, everybody. When the shadow of the night came on, he was gone.